Welcome, everyone. It's uh, uh, Pastor Jung here at Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. And a blessing uh, to be here with you today as we continue on uh, with our uh, study on the book of Ephesians. Um, a great study this is as we uh, dwell upon uh, the grace of God um, and all that uh, St. Paul writes to us and, of course, to the Ephesians, uh, a great book uh, that covers so many different things. So why don't we, why don't we begin uh, with a word of prayer. Uh, dearly Father, we thank you for this day. Bless us, O Lord, in your word, and may this word dwell within us richly. May your word continue to sustain and sanctify us in the one true faith, the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Bless us, O Lord, in the redemption that you have given through your Son by your grace for us. Lead us, bless us, and sanctify us. We pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, so welcome, everyone, uh, here um, in our condensed version um, of our Bible study based on Ephesians 1, uh, verses 1 to 5. Verses 1 to 5, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. <coughs> Quickly, as we give an introduction to the book of Ephesians, again, written in uh, 60 AD, roughly, uh, uh, we would always call this the uh, the prison epistle, uh, the, uh, the, the captivity letters, uh, this is a time that he was uh, imprisoned, um, and he was writing this letter. Uh, you know, Paul, as we know, is one who was learned under the rabbi uh, Gamaliel, and, and here, uh, you know, he is addressing many things, well, that he faced, I think, in, in the book of Acts, chapter 18, verses 20, if you ever want to see that. Um, I encourage you to read it. Uh, in Acts chapter 18, 19, and 20, we see, what do we see? We see St. Paul dealing with uh, preaching in the synagogue, uh, preaching about the way uh, this would ruffle many people's feathers uh, uh, because that's what, at times, the gospel would bring. It, it brings a lot of offense. The cross does. Um, but also uh, in the book of Acts, uh, in his time, in his third missionary journey, Around fifty-two to fifty-five, uh, there he he uh, he was really uh, uh, what was he doing? He was <clears throat> through the word of God. Uh, the way of Ephesus was uh, one of great magic, right? A lot of magicians there, a lot of sorcery, a lot of <clears throat> you know uh, uh, these human mystical things. Uh, that were indeed false, but there uh, St. Paul comes uh, to, to cast down these magicians, and that brings great offense to many people. Uh, but also thirdly, uh, when it comes to Demetrius and the silversmith and making these, uh, molding these uh, handmade idols, uh, where we talk about uh, Ephesus, uh, a hotbed of, of Greek and Roman gods, right? So, uh, the silversmith would make these idols, and and once um, you know uh, Saint Paul comes to the scene, uh, he really causes a lot of disturbance to what their work was uh, to make these gods by human hands. Um, and when you preach the true God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there we very well know that many people would follow, and and uh, this would cause great stress uh, to those uh, silversmiths. And um, you know this is. Uh, 
this was um, a very uh, adversarial time for St. Paul as he was preaching about the Christ, um, as people were, yes, uh, definitely um, uh, offended and, and, and were against him um, through all things. So anyways, introduction. Um, the, the book uh, focuses upon uh, the tension between Jew and Gentile believers. The book also focuses on uh, the, the, the gospel message, the way of salvation, the Christian life, uh, marriage and family, vocation as well. Um, and in general, uh, as we look at this letter, very general it is, very general. Uh, it is um, encyclical, some may say, but the point is, is that uh, nonetheless, uh, we, as we journey through this together, uh, will embark upon many theological topics that are very important to us. So, um, as we continue on here, sorry, just making sure that I'm doing the, the camera right. Uh, why don't we begin uh, with Ephesians chapter 1. If you can turn to your Bibles and uh, inwardly digest with me, that sounds so awkward, inwardly digest with me the Word of God, right? Because we are Mark learning and reading and inwardly digesting His Word, uh, okay, chapter 1, verse 1. Let's read together. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Okay, so Paul, who is he? How does he describe himself in his address? The apostle, right? The apostolus, the, the, literally the, the sent one, right? He is the chosen one, remember, on the Damascus road that God called him, Saul, Saul, why hast thou persecuted me? Um, and here we see on this road that he was, uh, as he is to go, that this will be the chosen instrument, right? That he is the sent one. This is not what he is doing um, independently, this is all by God's choosing, by God's, what does it say right there? By God's will, right? Uh, we, we always, uh, uh, in, the, in the catechism, in, in the prayer, uh, uh, let thy will be done, right? Thy will be done. And what is God's will? As we know, to break and hinder uh, uh, the works of the devil, uh, that many would come to the knowledge of the truth, that is, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he desires for all people to be saved, right? This is the will of God, and ultimately, it's Jesus, right? All right, so, Paul the Apostle, the sent one, by the will of God, so the, the, the inherent or the implied act, actor here is our Lord um, and that he continues to be the subject to the verb, our Lord is. Uh, for St. Paul, who is an apostle of Christ Jesus. Not apostle for himself, uh, not for his own glory, uh, but simply in Christ Jesus. Or of Christ. And there he addresses those who are in Ephesus to the saints. Now, 
Again, when we speak of saints, agios, right? The, the holy ones, right? Chosen, the will of God, the holy ones, right? This is all by the work of God. Being a saint is the gift in Christ Jesus, right? You are not a saint because you have done A, B, C, D, and E, and all the way to Z, right? You are not a saint because of your merits, your works, uh, how you earn salvation. No, you, you can't do that because of our sin, because of the doctrine of original sin, that our, our will is to naturally, as it says in the uh, solid declaration, as I was um, reading over it the other day, that, uh, that we are inherently, that our, our human nature is uh, uh, perverted, right? It, it is a sinful, perverted nature. And <clears throat> yet, by the will of God, he sends us the Christ. That is his will. And by his blood, by the word, right? As we are celebrating the epiphany this, this day, that by his very word, well, what's happening there? He came to this world to, to die for us, to rise for us, right? The cross and empty tomb. Uh, the catechism does a great job with that again. Uh, why is it important that Jesus died for us? Why is it important that he rose for us? Again, the sacrifice, uh, uh, the shedding of blood, the true Passover lamb who takes away the sin of the world uh, from, uh, from, the, uh, uh, from the Passover in the Old Testament to the true uh, and foretelling or looking forward to uh, the, the, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John one twenty nine. we know that by his very death upon the cross, by his blood, we are covered. Uh, that we are literally um, passed over as we are rescued from sin, death, and the power of the devil. But also his resurrection, of course. Why is his resurrection important? Because, uh, what does it say? Uh, if he did not rise, our faith is futile. Our faith is worthless if his resurrection isn't true. We do not, as Dr. Gibbs would say, do not follow a dead Jesus. Right? We, we follow the risen Lord. He is not here. He is risen. And therefore, in his resurrection, what it implies is that by his resurrection, uh, uh, he is the Son of God. He is the truth that his promise does or is fulfilled. And that promise is that he is the acceptable sacrifice by way of the resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins. This is, this is uh, uh, why we are holy. I can't emphasize this enough. To understand in this faith what it means to be a saint. It's not uh, the resume that we bring and say, look, Lord, now I'm a saint. No, it's, look, Lord, you died for me. You rose for me. And you have given me the seal in holy baptism. That you feed me in the Lord's supper. Why? Will of God, forgiveness of sins, right? We see it right there. So <clears throat> when we talk about this, uh, again, uh, uh, I know it's only, you know, honestly, we look at that uh, beginning address and we just say, okay, it's St. Paul addressing the people and let's just move on, right? But no, no there's a lot there. 
right? What does it say right there? To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful, faithful in, in Christ. See that? In. St. Paul says this word in Christ so many times in his letters, I think 66, 67, something like that. Um, And this in, how do you know you're in? How do you know you're in? How do you know that you're in Christ? Galatians 3.27. Whoever has been baptized in the Christ has put on Christ. 3.27, sorry. Whoever has uh, baptized in the Christ has put on Christ. How do you know that you're in? How do you know that you're a saint? All by the will of God. The blood of Christ. From the fruits of the cross and empty tomb, there we have the sacraments. We cannot disconnect the word and the sacrament, right? This is Jesus who is instituting. His will is done giving you the promise by his word, right? By the word, there we have his promise that we are indeed, uh, by the means of his grace, the way he institutes it, we are saved and rescued from sin, death, and the power of the devil, and we are forgiven of our sins. And there we have our assurance of the end, that we are faithful in Christ, that we are faithful in the words of Christ, that we are faithful in the faith that is Christ in his faithfulness as he was actively obedient all his life to the very word of God to be the perfect sacrifice without any sin. And there, uh, in his faith, in Christ, we have great what? We have great uh, certainty and assurance that our faith rests in God and his word. Right? Uh, uh, I did a devotion this morning, uh, Christ and Calamity by Dr. Sankbile, I know. And, and what a great devotion that is. But uh, what it reminds me of is that we as humans are always trying to seek assurance and certainty within ourselves. We're, we're always excavating and digging deep, trying to figure out like, kind of that golden nugget of, of a clear conscience of, uh, of certainty and assurance. And... You know, as we go down that path, all we find is the opposite. More terror, more doubt, more question marks, more wonder, and and no way, no how uh, is this certainty and assurance solid within ourselves. So my point is, is that all of this is the activity of God. And that's what we're going to continue on here today. Verse 2. Verse 2. Let me... um, uh, erase this for you real quick verse 2 as we look at that if you have your bibles out as i'm wiping the uh (laughs) the board off uh, if you could read that uh for me yes if you could read that for me verse 2 and following off the heels of what we just talked about we see what We see grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Simply put, grace is the undeserved gift, right? Undeserved gift. But it's a gift nonetheless. The will of God is Jesus. This is grace, Jesus Christ, all that Jesus gives to us. 
by his word, by his work, right? Um, uh, there we find uh, the true grace that he gives. And um, Jesus, well, when we talk about grace to you, um, you know, what was I going to say? I don't know. Uh, yes, grace, grace. Oh, that's right, grace. Uh, when we talk about what it means to be in Christ Jesus, you know, that the, the, the temptation is in our human nature is to think that we somehow play a part, right? We want to play a part. That's our human nature. We, you know, well, I did this, so doesn't that mean I have more assurance or more certainty or more of a solid ground? Look, look at all those works I've done, and, and I, we should love to do works, right? It doesn't save us, nor does it clear our conscience, nor does it uh, uh, solidify anything, in a sense, because that's what Jesus does. But in our life of faith, sanctification, this life of, uh, we, we are called uh, to do good works, not to prove anything, right? Let's be clear on that. But, but out of the fruits, right, the joy uh, of this gospel, uh, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, we continue to, uh, uh, what does it say in the Catechism? Serve in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. Right? We serve in Christ. We see there in verse 1, um, uh, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. It is in that in baptismal reference, right? because there in baptism, uh, we very well know that this baptismal life is all about the in. How do you know that you're in? By the very word of God that has covered you by the power of his word, according to his word, that in your baptism you are covered with the robe of righteousness, the garment of grace, Jesus Christ, and, and, and through his righteousness you are forgiven of your sins in this washing of regeneration, this, this being born from above, this anothen, right? That story of Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And uh, we, we clearly see right here, <coughs> um, what was I saying? Sorry, I was going down tangent again. Uh, we see right here that this is what grace is all about. It's this whole model or this design of how God works, and that is God to man. Right? Jesus sending us his son, the word made flesh, John 1, right? The incarnation. And there he, in the gospel message, would fulfill the Proto-Evangelion, the, 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 the Genesis chapter 3, first gospel text. And uh, there by his uh, promise, he has come to be the fulfillment. And there he dies and rises for us. See, this is how God works, right? Because the doctrine of original sin shows us that we are stopped in our tracks, that we cannot save ourselves, that we are dead, for the wages of sin is death, and we are dead in sin, spiritually, right? So we need, by the complete grace of God, to, to make us alive. I mean, we, we look at Lazarus, and it reminds us that by the word of God, he, he says, yeah, Lazarus, get out, come out, right? And there he arose. And this is all by the word, the word made flesh, Jesus Christ. And this is the same for you. It's all about God's grace, grace to you. And that grace is Jesus. That grace is the gifts, uh, uh, the sacraments, right? These are all gifts uh, uh, for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, 
Again, when we do not understand the doctrine of original sin, what happens? We tell ourselves, <coughs> I'm not dead. I'm alive. Um, I can do this myself. Right? And soon enough, what happens? Yeah, I believe in Jesus, but this design becomes this. Well, Jesus did that for me. Now I have to do this. Right? Well, the sacraments do not become simply a receiving of gifts by faith, but rather it is, or God calling us in this way, but rather it becomes uh, that these sacraments become a work, that I do something for God in these sacraments. I, uh, uh, when I'm ready, when, I, when you know, I'm doing this uh, as a commitment to God, I'm going to be baptized. Uh, uh, when I want to give honor to God, uh, uh, in a sense of me doing that work, I'm going to go to the supper uh, to give him, uh, to just give him honor. And, you know, it's more than that, right? It's actually the opposite. And that's what happens when, um, when we muddy up this theme of grace. You know, if we, if we add ourselves into this word, it's no longer grace, because it becomes something that we deserve if we think we play a part. Remember, grace is the undeserved gift of God, right? Because we know what we're born into because of the doctrine of original sin, right? We need to be very clear on that, this doctrine of original sin. Because if we, if we misunderstand it or we see it as, well, you know, um, I can overcome this myself or, or I just need to go on that quest, uh, uh, to be to be perfect for God, uh, and then I will, you know, be in with Him. Um, no, <laughs> we need His grace, right? It, we we need the free gift. Nothing of ourselves, outside, extra notes, outside of ourselves, right? And, and this is the picture of how God works. Grace, and because of this grace, um. What do we have? We have, let's see, let me erase this real quick. Because of his grace, we have this peace. And that peace is the, the reconciliatory work of Christ, right? Grace is Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, sent by the Father to be the sacrifice that though everyone turns to their own way, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And it's by that, uh, the, the, the work of Christ, that we have peace. Now, what is peace? Is it a feeling? Is it a gut check? Is it, is it an aura? Is it an inkling? Right? Is it based on circumstances? No. The, I know in, in, as we went through this yesterday, it's even the peace within the chaos. And boy, is our world going through much chaos. Uh, how applicable this is for us today. Now, what is true peace? You know, is, it, uh, is it simply you know, going to the lake, the calm lake, the physically... Uh, the, you know, going up to the hills or going up to the local uh, lake and, and just sitting there, is, is that peace? And I get it, you know, that's, that's, a poor, uh, that's a serene place to be. But when it comes to the true battle that is before us, and that is our own sin, uh, that is death, and that is the power of the devil, all the, the tentatio, the, uh, uh, the, 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 the spiritual attacks, um, 
we very well know that in the midst of that chaos, uh, what will deliver us this peace? And that is Jesus, the, the, the reconciliatory act of his death and resurrection that brought us to the oneness of God, that has uh, brought us to the Father as we are his, uh, as he is our true, true father and we are his true children, right? Um, and that's why, um, that's why when we pray in the Our Father, uh, yeah, right? To say our Father, that he is my true Father and we are his true children, all by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And this is our peace, right? Eternal. Because our peace is in the grace of God who, who gave to us his son, Jesus. Right? So, again, <coughs> this is his address. Grace to you and peace from, where does this come from? From God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Quickly, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the conscience here. And I was uh, looking through one of our commentaries, and uh, and uh, the commentary referred to Luther and his quote here, so I'm going to read it for you. It says, <coughs> Grace and peace, these two words embrace the whole of Christianity. Uh, grace forgives sin and peace stills the conscience. The two devils who plague us are sin and conscience, the power of the law and the sting of sin. But Christ has conquered these two monsters and trodden them underfoot, both in this age and in the age to come. The world does not know this, therefore it cannot teach anything sure about how to overcome sin, conscience, and death. Only Christians have this kind of teaching, are equipped and armed with it, so that they can overcome sin, despair, and eternal death. It is a teaching that is given only by God. It does not proceed from free will, nor was it invented by human reason or strength. So that goes back to Apostles' Creed Article 3, not by human reason or strength, right? So the point is right here is that, um, Yes, what plagues us is sin and the conscience, right? And the conscience, you know, we'll talk about conscience with knowing, right? The awareness of, of right and wrong. And again, if you have any questions on this, please uh, put this down. Um, please uh, put this down on you. Uh, in the comment section, um, if you're listening to this, uh, you know how to get to me, email me, um, ask me all the questions you need. Um, please do, because I, 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 I'm, I'm glad you're here with me. But uh, when we talk about uh, uh, conscience, again, knowing, right? Uh, the awareness um, of knowing uh, from right and wrong, um, from good and evil, right? And when we talk about the conscience, um, and we talk about the we talked about it earlier about peace. What is the difference between uh, the peaceful conscience or the good conscience and the uh, or the terrified or the bad conscience? What is uh, when it comes to conscience? Right now, the terrified conscience, the bad conscience, is one of what of great terror because there is no peace because well uh we try to measure up uh we try to do what is good but yet at the end of the day 
uh, we fall short, right? We fall short with no consolation. Um, we fall short because we know that though we might portray ourselves as those that have done all these righteous things, we know that if it was based upon our own human will, um, we very well know if we're honest with ourselves uh, that there are still are a lot of question marks, right? Have I done enough? Am I good enough? Have I merited my way to God? And those question marks, question marks, uh, give us great terror on, well, what, 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 uh, uh, what is going to be? And the devil does what? He's always accusing us, pointing the finger. And what does he do? He always tries to cast doubt on God's word and his promises. That's the bottom line, right? It's doubting the word of God or even turning yourself away from the word of God or, or, or not hearing the word of God or not studying the word of God and, and just living by your own feelings where peace becomes about a feeling in a sense of your, you know, your personal day-to-day, day-in, day-out operation type circumstance type peace uh, when in fact... Um, the devil is always trying to accuse and say, are you sure that God forgives you of that sin? And it's easy to say, well, I don't know. Am I forgiven? I hope so. Wait, am I? Right? And we constantly go down that path. And soon enough, what happens? I don't know if God forgives me. But the question is, what does the word say? 1 Peter 3, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, how does the saving work in baptism give you a good conscience? Because his word in those moments of terror when the devil is assailing you and every, uh, 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 what, every, um, every terrified uh, <laughs> accusation that he throws at us, there we say what? We don't go to the, uh, uh, the words that we have done, but we go to the words of Christ, right? We go to the word of God saying, I am baptized into Christ, that God has called me, Isaiah 43.1, fear not, um, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, and you are mine, right? Uh, we go to God's word where it says what? Uh, rise and be baptized, right? And wash away your sins, right? Uh, whoever uh, has been baptized uh, into Christ has been baptized into his death, right? Connected to Christ right there. Whoever has put on Christ or whoever has been baptized into Christ has put on Christ. So when we speak of uh, a baptism, it's not just a removal of dirt like you're washing the dishes, right? Uh, it's not just uh, uh, washing your hands after a long day of of working in the garden? No, it's, it's more than that. It's a complete washing 
And that is the forgiveness of sins given to you. Your confidence is in, your certainty and assurance is in the grace of God, the free gift that has been bestowed to you by the power of his word, gospel, sacraments, all together, not disconnected, right? That this all works hand in hand. There's no disconnect between each other because God is working through his means. And there we find our complete assurance, a good conscience. And that good conscience is what? The Word of God. That good conscience is the forgiveness of sins. That good conscience is death has lost its sting. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Right? 1 Corinthians 15. So, so again, <coughs> um, though the devil may shame us, though the devil may say you are inadequate, you don't measure up, and God surely does not uh, forgive you of that sin, that sin that sin your answer would be what does the word say and soon enough your faith points to the verbing of what god does for you he is a subject he is doing the verbing you are the receiver and this is your faith all rooted in those words grace to you and peace where does this come from from god our father and our lord and savior jesus christ okay um continuing on here how long have we been going let's see all right very good good time all right verses three to four (laughs) has it been 30 minutes if we've only gone through two verses that's that's uh didn't think i'd do that thought it'd be shorter anyways uh blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ verse three who has blessed us in christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him i think these are the last two verses we're going to go through today but blessed be god the father why uh why does saint paul say these words because as we look at it what does it say right there after it it says it says uh blessed be god the father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us in christ we open our O lord open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise why does our um why do our lips open because he is the one who blessed us first what is the true blessing of christ salvation right it's salvation it's that rescue from sin death and the power of the devil think about that right and this is the victory that you have in the resurrected life that god has given to you the true blessing that through it all, we are, uh, we are blessed because of what he has done for us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Heavenly places, the spiritual realm, uh, this includes uh, the conquering over the devil and his minions. Um, and and as, he, as we see in the gospel in Genesis, um, that he crushes the devil's head, that he, uh, uh, this is not a 50-50 match, wondering who's going to win, right? The, the Lord has won. The Lord has won the battle, the battle battle has been won and therefore we live this life blessed by the one who blessed us first spiritual blessings right there are many blessings in this life many blessings in this life but when we speak of the spiritual here we see what 
we see the gospel, right? And that is the forgiveness of sins. The blessing that all of our sins, with great certainty and faith, they are all washed away by the work of Christ, right? That by His resurrection, we have eternal life, right? The grave has been uprooted by His resurrection for you. That we are reconciled to God. That chasm, the separation ever since the fall, there Jesus is the way. Of course, and, and when we talk about spiritual blessings, uh, uh, we could always go to the Apostles' Creed. I can't tell you how important it is to review your catechism, right? Article 1, Article 2, Article 3, creation, redemption, sanctification, how God has continued to give to us. Um, uh, as I always say, you know, uh, when we want to know who God is, we go to the Creed. When we want to see uh, what is the will of God, we go to the Creed. Because there in each article, we see boom, 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 what God does for us by His grace. And there we uh, see our posture in what it means to be truly blessed. So, re- so review it, friends out there who are listening. Go to the Apostles' Creed, read your catechism, review, 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 leave it on your nightstand, read a little snippet every day, and, and there you'll realize quickly that you are blessed. Blessed in the faith, the faith that is Christ. Okay, so... Um, let's see, what are we going to do here? Yes, verse 4. This is going to be our last verse of the day. <clears throat> Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Right? Uh, this is, uh, uh, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. I know this is always a topic, Right? And, you know, it always makes me think too much. And in this, in this instance, I don't think we need to think too much about this, um, even though we want to think deeply about it. But I think that's, that can be, um, not all the time, but it could, be a, it could be a stumbling block if we think too deeply about things that we may not know, right? That hasn't been revealed to us. Um, and... Um, what was I going to say? Uh, I think rather than speculating on the, uh, on, on, as it says in the solid, declara- solid declaration, it says uh, in paragraph 13, it says, um, for this reason, if a person wishes to think or speak about election um, and of God's children to eternal life correctly and profitably, one should, as a matter of course, Refrain from speculation over the naked, secret, hidden, inscrutable foreknowledge of God. On the contrary, one should focus on how God's counsel, intention, and preordination in Jesus Christ is revealed to us through the Word. Now, again, why not some and why others? Why not him and why not her? Why me and why not them? Clear. Jesus dies for who? He dies for the sin of the world. The sin of the world. He dies for todo el mundo, right? He dies for the world. He dies for all of humanity. He dies for every single person. Now, what is, as we know by Scripture, what is the will of God? 
that all desire, that he, his desire is that all will be saved. The will of God is, as we talked about earlier, Jesus on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. Right? This is the will of God. Now, again, that's always the deep question about um, who is uh, predestined, who is chosen, who is called. And yes, that, that is, I think... Uh, there are times in life where we, we, we aren't in that capacity to dig through uh, the, the, the hidden will of God in a sense of how he works. But I think the better question is, when we talk about this election, when we talk about uh, predestination, uh, a good question would be asked is, how... Are we chosen? Right? How are we chosen? And <laughs> when we talk about how we are chosen, in a sense where uh, how, what does God's word, what is his will for us, how are we chosen? And that is by his word. This is what we know. There is no need to dig deep into the hidden secret will of God in a sense of uh, all these deeper speculations, but rather asking the questions, how are we chosen, right? That we are called by the preaching of the word. Um, that through his word, he, he reveals his will. And that will is for you to believe. See, the thing is, is we talked about it earlier, about the doctrine of original sin. That we as man are, are spiritually dead, right? Uh, that we have a perverted human will. That we are born into sin. And, you know, this is the reality of our, of our, of our, of our flesh, right? We, we look at it in the parable of the sower, Right? Uh, there are some who, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, believe, uh, but then when tribulation strikes, right, uh, they flee. Uh, when they're, uh, the thorns um, being um, choked up by the cares and riches of this world. Uh, and then there's those on the good soil, right? And, you know, again, how are we chosen? By the word of God. And I, I think this is a, a very important thing in a sense where, as it says in John 10, my sheep hear my voice, the word. Um, so again, rather than <coughs> investigating, right, uh, as it says in the solid declaration, we should therefore not attempt to fathom the abyss of God's hidden foreknowledge as it is written, uh, but rather uh, we should dwell upon um, the revealed word of God and how he calls us into his kingdom. And ultimately, that is Jesus, the word, the gospel, right? This is what we know. This is how he calls us in Christ Jesus. Um, as we continue here, uh, what we speak of, I know I had all these other things um, Uh, 
Yes. Okay. All right. So, uh, you know, when we speak of uh, how we are chosen, you know, Jesus, the word, the gospel, this is where we reside in a sense of what we talk about uh, before the foundation of the word, God, God calling us. It is by that, again, by that very word. Um, and I think this is uh, important to us that by this revealed word, uh, here we find our comfort. That here the Holy Spirit works to create faith in us. Right? That is the great mystery, though, I'll tell you. Right? We don't know. God's will is his will, and his will is done. Um, but what we do know is that his will is Jesus. We do know that his will is to call you by name in your baptism. We do know that he gives us the supper for the forgiveness of our sins, his true body and blood, uh, that this is his will to call us by that very word. Remember, Jesus dies for the sins of the world. He dies for everyone. He dies for you. He dies for me. And there we find, or we discover, or we receive, sorry, uh, uh, that there we find how God calls us. And, you know, I, I think this is, a, uh, this is his will. Remember, his will is not, his will is to save, right? His will is to, uh, that all people are saved. Uh, but yet we very well know the perverted human will and our sin nature and, and how we are by nature uh, children of wrath, that we by nature rebel against God's word, uh, but there by the gift of the Holy Spirit, we are, uh, uh, we are convicted and comforted, the law and the gospel. And there we find ourselves in the will of God in a sense of how he calls us to be his own. So rather than digging and, and speculating and wondering about the hidden will of God, uh, uh, that sometimes we might not uh, fully understand, grasp, because we are fallen human beings, um, we must rather ask, what does it mean to be chosen? How are we chosen? What does the word scripture say about being the chosen ones? Right? And it goes back simply always to the word of God. All right. I think that's it. Let me see if I have anything else here. <coughs> um, yes, uh, I think that's it. Is that it? Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. I guess we will stop there today. I want to say some more things, but um, oh, great stuff here. Uh, closing, closing thought, paragraph 46 of the Solid Declaration right here. It says, uh, He preordained how we would bring me how he would bring me to salvation and preserve me in it. Likewise, he desired to guarantee my salvation so completely and certainly because it could slip through our fingers so easily through the weakness and wickedness of our flesh or be snatched and taken from our hands through the deceit and power of the devil in the world. For he has preordained this salvation through his eternal intention, 
which cannot fail or be overthrown. And he has placed it for safekeeping into the almighty hand of our Savior, Jesus Christ, from which no one can snatch us away. Right? And here we see (coughs) clearly how God has called us. How God has chosen us. Jesus. We hear it all the time, but we need to hear it. Because there we receive and are reminded of the grace that God bestows on us, all of his riches, through the body and blood of Jesus, the good conscience, the peace, knowing that in his salvific work, yes, there we know that he has called us to be his own. Remember, um, Apostles' Creed, Article 3, that uh, it's not by human reason or strength, right? But it's the Holy Spirit that has called us that has called me into the gospel, that has called you into the gospel, right? Gathering and, and enlightening and, and sanctifying and, and keeping, keeping us in the one true faith, all by the very word. This is the revealed will of God, the word, the flesh of Christ, who has come to fulfill and overcome the world by his death and resurrection. All right, why don't we close there? Let us pray. Dear Father, O Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, Bless us um, as we mark and read and inwardly digest uh, your words of grace. Bless us with a good conscience, knowing full well that by your blood our sins are washed away. Thank you, O Lord, for your grace. As we are your children, as you are our Father, lead us, O Lord, this week in your never-ending peace. For all these things we are thankful. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, until next time, we will continue on in our travel through the book of Ephesians. Thank you for joining me. If you have, if you have any questions, please uh, email me, uh, chat with me, um, um, come into the office, and we'll talk about it. Uh, but uh, God's blessings to you this day. The Lord be with you. And may Christ continue. Um, to be your peace through all things. All right. Adios, friends. Have a wonderful day. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.